Welcome to A State of Mind, the podcast that brings together consciousness, meditation, mindfulness, psychology, psychedelics, and so much more in pursuit of this mystery we call life. This is Julian Royce. Thank you for tuning in. Today I am speaking with my friend Mona and their artist name or stage name, whatever you want to call it, is Monalicious. That's the name they release music under. And this is a really fun conversation. We talk about a lot of cool stuff like Dungeons and Dragons. And uh, part, of, <laughs> part of what we talked about with Dungeons and Dragons is consciously creating and stepping into a persona. For example, like a rock star you know, or an artist or a performer um, and how having that different persona, you know, can help one to then perform in a different way. Um, I tend to think about this in my own life with the expression wearing different hats, you know, so to speak. Um, For example, in my work as a therapist, you know, I'm wearing my therapist hat and here as host of this podcast, you know, I put on my podcast hat. But um, I think it can actually be pretty profound to make these different roles we embody or inhabit conscious. And we can bring consciousness to these different parts of ourselves, which can show up in different ways and in different contexts. And in our conversation, we talk about music, art, art and creativity. And here's a short clip of a song by Mona called Cooped Up. Mona shares with us about high school classes that they have been teaching. And that to me was really interesting to hear about. Mona has really um, developed and shared some really cool uh, curriculum with students from lower income or disadvantaged areas in Denver. And one of the things I really appreciated about this conversation, a message that I felt come through, which you know we've all heard a million times, but it struck me in a new way. And that is uh, not giving up and perseverance and having some confidence, believing in yourself and keeping up, you know, keep going. You know, Mona shares with us an experience of putting on a show, not many people coming to it. And instead of taking that to mean that, you know, they should stop doing what they're doing and what they love to do, they learned from it and kept going and put on a lot of great events and shows since then. Um, I'm going to play a clip for you guys of a song called All Caught Up. If you go to monaliciousmedia.com, you can see the music video for this. And it features Corwin Mandel, who was on the podcast last summer. He, uh, that episode is called Tiny Temples and Natural Building. He builds these tiny homes. So here's All Caught Up. I hope you will me just as bad as I. Won't you I hope you will hold 
hope you enjoyed this conversation as much as I did. And without further ado, I bring you Mona Delicious. Thanks for being on the podcast. Yeah. Thank you for having me. Yeah, and you perform music under the name Mona Licious, right? I do. Cool. We were just talking before we started recording. You're also now teaching at a high school. Yeah. Do you want to maybe just introduce yourself a little bit? Kind yeah. Of do, I know you do a lot of different things. <laughs> I do a lot of different things. Today, I am a human, and I try to be that most days. But, um, yeah, as you mentioned, I have been focusing a lot of energy shifting um, from the spotlight being on, like, Mona Licious as an artist, but um, shifting into finding, like, my place in the world as an educator. And mm. um, I've been fortunate enough to fall into a job at Youth on Record and um and i'm a teaching artist there so i go into high schools and i've this is my fourth high school that i've been at um this year i'm at uh, dr martin luther king early college in denver is that Uh, fourth high school yeah that's amazing yeah it's my fourth year teaching and um just been this process of like kind of being plucked out of my reality and thrown into the classroom and mm. um and i finally feel like i'm getting the flow that's so um, cool are you going to the high school like once a week i'm it? there five days a week oh, five yeah. yeah so i'm i teach uh four credit class which means that it's like a class on there that they go to each day okay yeah I, I've taught uh, mindfulness in middle schools and a little bit in high schools, but it would be, it would just be like once or twice a week and it was, you mm-hmm. know, so not maybe as much as what you're doing. So that's a great experience to get to teach and yeah, spend time with kids like that. Definitely. It's, and plus the fact that I get to teach you about something I'm so passionate about mm-hmm. um, and something that I'm interested in learning more about about in general right um because like a huge part of the teacher process is being a student yourself and continuously refining your pedagogy so that it's relevant to each you know group of students that you have each year each quarter um Mm -hmm. each school that you're at each community that you're serving right so try to really speak to that particular group or people yeah Mm mm-hmm Yeah, so feeling really excited um, teaching music creation to uh, the high school and the middle school there, and also teaching a class called Identity, Power, and Music, and that's like an ethnic studies, gender studies um, class Mm. where we utilize music as a lens to observe uh, the world and to learn more about ourselves. You said Identity, Power, and Music? Yeah. Uh, interesting title <laughs> yeah the power like power dynamics power mm-hmm. politically power in a lot of um well you know like the word power is so connected and interweaved in our world um and a lot of yeah. communities 
that I serve um, have are navigating a narrative of disempowerment and so hmm. offering young people an okay, opportunity. Okay, so navigating a narrative of disempowerment? Yeah. Like the story, the understanding of their place in society is one of being disempowered? Totally. Um, and easy to get caught up in, you know? Hmm. In any community, it's easy to get caught up in disempowerment through the messages that you're internalizing, whether yeah. it be um, media or like the what you see in your community. Right. Yeah. That's interesting too. Like, like you said, any community, and I feel like that's true. Like any community could, or any member of a community could see themselves as being disempowered. Like I have, um, I don't know, to make it a little more concrete. Like I've seen. A lot of people talk about identity and, and race and gender and this stuff, and it's like the dominant, um, you know, people or people like me who are white and um, male would be part of that or heterosexual. And then, but then I've talked to, you know, white men who feel like they're being disempowered. And so it's like yeah. interesting that that could be perceived so differently. Um, and then, I mean, there's just such a spectrum of ways people are trying to navigate this stuff or, you know. Definitely. Yeah. And then, like, a, another lens of looking at power is power dynamics. Like, mm. how does your intersectionality affect, like, the power that is you are perceived to have in your community or in the world? Um, why is it... And then looking at, like, the, uh, the world as kind of this object of reflection. Like, why is it that, you know we perceive women to be less powerful in mm. some ways or that we put right. such a gender role on men as being powerful like that's a male attribute so there's like so many different ways to um break down uh power even like mm. it's uh, complex today we talked about social power and monolithic power and like so even mm. talking about the power of people um, and like how movements, uh, how, how there's like, how groups of people have power to make movements happen. Hmm. Um, and as well as like looking at monolithic power is what that defining what that even is like having. Hmm. Well, yeah. What do you mean by that? So monolithic power is a pretty much when like a one person or a group of elite people um, control like a society mm. um and so that the it's like one a small group of people or one person versus like the entirety of people and social power would be a model where the people in power are uh, like elected um by the people and like put in that place by the people okay. which we kind of sort of have yeah yeah we kind of don't <laughs> because there's when we think about the pathways to becoming political, like a, a politician, mm. um, there's like gatekeeping to that. It's not accessible yeah. to all people. Yeah, that's interesting. Yeah, <laughs> there's a lot. It's like really. It's a big tight. conversation. Yeah. And so then, are you are you teaching this online? Uh, virtually, yeah, because of COVID. Because of COVID. Yeah. Yeah. How has that been? Um. I think it's not preferred, but you know, it's working. Just like anything, you 
find ways to be resilient and yeah that's a great word resilient yeah make the best of it and totally um i really like i can't imagine being an elementary school teacher or an elementary school student yeah and being online all day like that it's just yeah that's got to be so difficult and Mm-hmm. But I think when you're by the time you're in high school, you can sit and engage more in that medium, you know. Yeah. Like you know, for better or worse, we kind of we get used to sitting for long periods of time, and staring yeah. at a screen. It's interesting how coronavirus has increased our screen time so much. Most like, I'm definitely. I'm really grateful you get to come here in person. That's yeah. feels like such a treat. And I just got a negative coronavirus test yesterday, Yay! so I'm, now I feel. I don't know. I felt, it feels like peace of mind. Totally. You know, and I am being cautious and trying to find my way with it but um yeah definitely and i think it's very responsible of you yeah well i did go you know saw a number of people over halloween that was part of the impetus of it. <laughs> and the cases are rising and you know yeah so it was free and it got the results a few days later so nice. actually it was pretty easy to get tested i love hearing uh, that yeah i'm happy you just drive through and they stick this thing up your nose. It was weird. I didn't expect that part. Like I didn't somehow I didn't know that. So like yeah. roll down the window and they're like, you register ahead of time. And they like had my name. And they're like, are you Julian? And I'm like, yeah. And they're like, okay. <laughs> just like stick this swab up your nose. <laughs> yeah, I'm just like so happy to hear about the accessibility of mm. testing. Yeah. And that it's like free and quick. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it was free, it was quick, you just drove up and drive out, and then it is accessible, and I just had the thought, like, you have, like, if I didn't have a car, that, how would I have gotten there, and how would you drive through if you don't have a car to drive through? Mm-hmm. So there's, I think there's so many things like that in our society, like, it's, on one hand, like, easy, and if you have the right things, like, if you have a car, and the, you know, the smartphone, and the, you know, like, sometimes I think about someone who doesn't have something like that that we kind of take we can so easily take for granted totally like how hard how many roadblocks metaphorically speaking that puts up if you don't have those things i mean you don't have to have a car to survive but in america it's it's there's a lot of things where not having a car is a pretty big hurdle yeah Yeah, so i feel that i was thinking about how having a car is also like you have to buy into a system that perhaps you don't even want to. Right. <laughs> but it's totally, like yeah. <laughs> the way the world's set up. Like, or at least the way our world's set up yeah. here in America. Totally. Yeah. Well, even, like, I would prefer to have a car that, you know, was a Tesla or, like, electronic. Right. But that's a l- out of reach for me. And so to have a car, right. I have to, you know, uh, buy into the whole oil and gas Mm-hmm. industry and just perpetuate its existence <laughs> yeah like so you have a choice but you kind of don't have a choice too it's, totally it's an interesting thing it seems to me like we could make like people would probably make fun of them but you know those like little smart cars that were like they're kind of small and yeah like it doesn't seem like it'd be that hard to make a bunch of those that are electric and that could be affordable and you know what i mean like that would probably be way better for the environment and yeah. have some kind of government program to help people get them if they need a car and they don't have one then mm-hmm. like low impact and low fuel use or all that stuff yeah and at that point we're talking about like a whole shift that's supported by the government right to move away some people would from hate that kind yes. of talk but um i think it would if we if we take into account like the collective good of our climate like it makes sense to to look at things like that 
Most definitely. Yeah. I've always been super perplexed by the idea of like greed and, and capitalism, like draining and the people and like it doesn't make sense to for people to not exist or the planet to be in turmoil mm. because no one's going to be consuming anything if we're not like able to inhabit the planet right if, like <laughs> your goal is yeah. to have us con- continuing to consume you might as well make conscious culture like more popular so that we can mm-hmm. continue to consume but just right just from way. a capitalist point of view i think this i don't know this might be kind of dark to talk about it's a whole nother rabbit <laughs> hole to go down but like if you make something that is a necessity that we take for granted something that you can market and sell like water like if you know anyone can get water and that's great and it's a human right i think it should be but you know, if bottled water is way better than the stuff going on your tap and you can sell the bottled water, like it's a big thing for a capitalist corporation to start selling. And so, like in that movie Spaceballs, did you ever see that? Yeah. Like they have like canisters of air because they can't, they're like running out of air. So like the wealthy people have, all you know, all this air that they've bought. <laughs> and it's kind of like, you know, an absurd extreme of where we could, where we kind of are heading to when you like degrade the natural system and then wealthy people can afford the, the more pristine, you know, healthier version of things. Yeah. So, yeah, I don't think that's the road we should go down, but there's like economic pressures that some people look at it and they're like, how can we sell more water instead of making it free? Yeah. (laughs) You know, most definitely there's, there is some sort of motive behind it that makes sense to someone oh yeah <laughs> probably uh, yeah well anyway that's maybe a sidetrack but to go back to you and and music yeah. you you seem like someone who like just knew that you know you're a musician like that's who you are a creative person putting your art out there was there a moment where that became like you're like I want to be a musician I want to share music or did it develop slowly over time or hmm yeah I think that that's pretty much just been where my heart has been and it was a great place for me to channel all of my like drive and passion and mm. I didn't seem to have any doors like or barriers um in between me and trying things out. That's um, an interesting thing. Like yeah. it didn't, so it didn't have a lot of struggle for you? Is that pretty? No. That's interesting. Maybe that's that like ease or grace. Like this feels right and it makes sense. And Yeah. I think there's a lot to, and that's even like the privilege of just having supportive parents. Hmm. It like instills this belief in you that you can do anything, that you can be anyone. Mm-hmm. And... Um, I mean, I've done so many things just because I, like, decided to do it. And then I was like, oh, yeah, I did that. <laughs> that's, cool. that's inspiring to hear. Yeah. Like, so, like, like, what's an example of that in your life? I would say last year I put on two theater productions. Mm. Um, so I directed, and they're, like, I say theater productions because they were theatrical, but they were, like, immersive experiences where I mixed together music and circus and 
we had like characters in the crowd and we created this like hmm. narrative and this story arc and like we had people in the crowd who were part of it yeah that's so cool i love that and um like literally like people dressed up and interacting we had this one where and like this whole card game mixed into it as well where you show up and you're given a card and like a manual and you have to like go and interact with the game and um <laughs> it's like blurring the line between audience and participant and totally the creators and very immersive i was super mm. inspired by meow wolf i went to their new year's party oh, cool. um in new 2000 at the beginning of 2019 and so it was just like years ago do you want yeah. to share with people what Mialbuf is? Is that in New Mexico? Is yeah, it? they're building one here in Denver. Well, in Denver. in Denver. Yeah, I heard about um, that. And they're also building one in Washington, D.C. and in Las oh, cool. Vegas. Yeah. Um, but it's this, like, dreamland. Um, <laughs> have you been there? No, I haven't. Oh, wow. So, it is like a dream pretty much but it's you walk in and you like open a door and it's you would think when you open up a a cabinet hmm. that you would just see a cabinet you know and this for the first time was a space where i could open up a cabinet and not be sure that it would be a normal cabinet and hmm. like it probably wasn't. It was like this portal to some oh, other cool. completely different space. Huh. Um, and yeah, so it has all of these different... It's like a whole world that you enter. Yeah, and there's this story and like you'll read something and it's like, uh, don't, like, they're watching us. Don't let them know that you're reading <laughs> this. And you're like, oh my goodness, what? <laughs> it just like drops you into this space and... Yeah, very, like, multiverse, a bunch of different spaces, different rooms that, like, flow into each other in this really peculiar way. Cool. Yeah. And, That's beautiful. And it not only opened up my... It opened up my perception in my mind of, like, I could open up a cellar in my mind and it would continue going. Like, there was just mm. no more, uh, just, like, container. It was, like, I could... like infinite possibilities yeah even in my mind is the craziest thing so you went there and then you get inspired to like create a performance create a events whatever you want to call it yeah and just like dive into immersion and mm. the idea of um role playing and i mm. got really into dungeons and dragons around the oh, same so time cool. and I like just role started playing, playing games i played dungeons and dragons when i was a kid nice and then just this last summer i started playing again with a group of friends and it's been so interesting yeah i want to do it more regularly it really takes some it's really interesting to get in your imagination like that totally like i felt affected i'll feel affected by it like afterwards like having it imagine the world so intensely yeah you know it's it's really our minds are so powerful yeah i hope that i'm not uh <laughs> don't get this um rephrasing incorrect but my partner uh Th when thinking about D&D uh, relates it to like group therapy oh. like everyone being able to play out these play subtle yeah these subtle like um, relationship dynamics that don't necessarily always they're not always on the surface but <laughs> yeah. like you get to 
um, potentially like fight with a character, especially I I, mm. I play with a lot of people that are really close to me, mm. and so I totally see playing out yeah, like these different um, relationship dynamics. Like in the imaginary world, and yeah, you have more permission because it's not you know it's a game. Yeah, because so you you're one like layer out. It's like no, it's just could my still, character. It could still like hurt someone, or they could get offended, or that's still possible. Yeah, that's interesting. Most definitely. How many people are you playing with? Um, I've actually taken quite a bit of a hiatus since I um became intertwined with my partner. Um, but uh, before that, I was playing at the beginning of quarantine. I was playing twice a week oh, for wow. like um somewhere around three to five hours mm. at a time um and then before that With was like three or four people or? Di two different groups oh, okay. um, one group was about like four to six people with the dungeon master and then i uh, have another group that was about five people plus the dungeon master so I had like two groups going. Oh, you were really yeah. into it. <laughs> I was That's a whole into level. <laughs> it. It's powerful. It's, it's almost like the opposite of all of our virtual reality video game stuff. And yet it, it kind of feels like you're in one of them. You know, like yeah. you're in a video game, but it's like your mind. It's not, Yeah. you know what I mean? It's, it's so interesting. And you're like creating it with people. It's collaborative. It's collaborative, yeah. And yeah. it's creative and you can act out different parts. And Totally. Yeah. I've had some really it's helped me even with teaching because you know the dm will confront you with DM means dungeon master dungeon master yeah so they're like the person who's orchestra or who's kind of they're not playing it they're setting the stage and, mm -hmm. right? yeah. yeah and i've had uh dungeon masters like confront me with um the first time i started playing we were in this town that had this religious establishment that would like burn people in public that didn't oh. like uh that didn't you know profess their devotion to the religious figure and like we were trying to infiltrate the religious establishment <laughs> and dismantle it and like oh. these interesting you know and i'm so down for dismantling of oppressive systems and so like yeah. getting to even just play that out or and imagine it and totally yeah or like having a uh, character come up and challenge me and me having to articulate why I believe in, you know, human rights or mm. character rights, and, <laughs> which is like silly, but it's it draws on a real life experience that I'm, mm -hmm. I'm down to come up. Yeah, that's cool that you're, that you've done that and you're sharing about that. I think it, it's a interesting way for people to be able to connect and create like a lot of times when you like we all love movies and we all watch netflix and all this stuff yeah. and this game dungeons and dragons is kind of like you can create and be a creator a participant mm -hmm. in your own movie like that totally you make up what kind of character you want and how you want to look and what you want to do and yeah and i feel like because i've watched so many movies i'll kind of see you know that kind of informs my imagination yeah so yeah most definitely yeah, I'm super grateful for role-playing games, and 
role-playing in general and that's why <laughs> yeah. I even like it's interesting to rediscover it for me after so many years of like <laughs> yeah because when i was a kid and i did it with uh my brothers and a couple friends we had and then like people would like make fun of it you know it was like dorky and i got kind of self-conscious about it like later when i was like an older teenager and it's like maybe i don't know that's how it was at least in where i lived in north carolina and so then now it's like wow people are still doing this people are doing it as adults and it's like actually really powerful <laughs> yeah i'm into it and just in like immersion in general like mm. why not just like dress up as a clown and go to the store and like make a scene and <laughs> like drop just like bring people out of their normalcy right and give them a different experience something to think about mm. and i think that i i am passionate about inspiration and like mm, exciting people mm -hmm. in ways that life is not exciting yeah. passionate about inspiration life. i like that yeah it's like that's what is so precious is when you feel inspired and mm -hmm. it can be kind of rare you know when someone's feeling depressed it's like the, the lack of that inspiration i mean in my experience inspiration goes up and down but um it is something you can like kind of cultivate and remember and like you can yeah. get you can get yourself inspired about something like yeah. it takes like a leap of faith right you gotta kind of get into it yeah which even like thinking about music and D, &D the character the bard he gives either him themselves mm. or their uh, party members inspiration um, right. as like a boost. And I think that also speaks to the essential role of artists in our culture mm. to like stoke the fire of inspiration, to keep people compelled to existing, compelled to like diving into the unknown and um, right. That's part of the role of the gift of an artist. Yeah. Especially a musical artist, maybe. I mean, I guess any kind of artist, but my mind i guess since we just had the election and everything every time we have a big election like there's the you know the, they're campaigning and giving speeches and there's always some story i see about a candidate using some song for their campaign rally and then the artist will be like don't use my song for your campaign rally <laughs> but they're like yeah they want to use music to help inspire people bring people together and inspire totally. them totally because music's so it's such an emotion i mean it is an emotional experience it's yeah. like taking you from where you were and throwing you into a whole nother vibrational atmosphere. It like literally affects you. Yeah, changes our brainwaves. And yeah. I think it helps us sync up with other people. Totally. The rhythm and the movement. Well, do you, as a musical artist, are you consciously stepping into a role kind of like with D&D, &D, like a character? Like, has that been mm -hmm. part of your musical journey? Most definitely. Yeah. That's interesting. <laughs> I've been a lot more intentional about it in the past two years where like I like to perform as a, a different character or have that be, you know, me and my bandmates will like dress up and will like be a cover band to our own band or something silly. <laughs> and Just have fun with it. And... Yeah. Even the name Monalicious mm. is an alter ego. An alter ego, right. Yeah. yeah. And it allows me to step out of my humanness out of my insecurity because monalicious should they are not um insecure they are ready to hit the stage they're on fire and it's like this coat that i get to put on right. every single time and i get to leave behind normal mona and yeah. step into this other version that i've built out and and then i 
don't have to get so caught up in like being enough for the performance. I just step into mm. someone who is enough. That's beautiful. Yeah. So maybe someone, if someone's listening to this, like you, they could try that out. Like you can, totally. Rather than like I'm this awkward shy person who wants to perform but can't, you can kind of like trick yourself. Like I'm just gonna create this alter ego and step into this like rock star or yeah. diva or whatever it is. Yeah. <laughs> you know, I think a lot of people do that right i think even someone like donald trump i don't know he's whoever whatever politician like they kind of do that too you know yeah and i wonder to what degree it's conscious or not conscious and you know we never really know what they're like when they're not on stage or whatever yeah. their public persona versus their private but as human beings we all have a public persona like we're totally. different when we're in a group of people than when we're alone maybe at least to some degree definitely i appreciate the way that it allows me to um practice being flexible and fluid within my identity and my ego mm. nice. of like recognizing that I can step into different spaces mm -hmm. and that I really am always stepping into some space mm. I always have some face on some mask mm. um, in some moments I'm you know more vulnerable or more naked and raw but I'm always interacting through you know this body through right. something um and so i appreciate like the fluidity that i'm able to practice of instead of i am just this or i am always like getting caught up in yeah. any sort of uh confined of who i am um, like the less fixed identity yeah definitely instead like today i could be super sensitive mona <laughs> today I could be like super on fire Mona and like mm. not holding any shame or um, like feeling the necessity to be anything or that I'm disappointing myself in any way really yeah what what do you think about the question of authenticity like in this context like because you could think of like being authentic as like the opposite of wearing a mask and that could sure. be it could be true if you're trying to f maybe manipulate or fool other people, but the way that we're talking about it, I don't. I think it is authentic. Like it's an authentic expression of a part of yourself. Right? Yeah, I think that there's some masks that we feel more used to wearing, and mm. then there's some masks that uh, you know perhaps we're wearing with manipulative motives and some masks we're wearing right. unknowingly or like with all of our struggle or with our insecurity or masks that we think that we need to wear to be in a space with you know whoever um, mm. and I think that authenticity I really appreciate the you bringing it up because I think it is in this moment I'm like is it not authentic to be trying to be someone else? Is that not like you're authentically embodying um, the pursuit of trying out another expression? Um, right. Or is it not authentic to be in a place of not being authentic? I don't know, like huh. folding yeah, it's tricky on to itself. Like, it's like paradoxical. Yeah. Um, I've been thinking about this lately. Because, like, authenticity is a big value of mine. It's something like, I've wanted to be and how I want to show up in the world. And then lately I've been thinking about if I am, you know, if I feel a certain emotion 
you know, it could be authentic to express that and share it, but I, I actually don't think it's necessarily authentic to be ruled by your emotions. Mm-hmm. Like it could be authentic to be like, okay, I feel that and right now I don't need to express it or act on it. Like having choice. Yeah. If that makes sense. And so I think it's a pretty tricky thing to think about, like what authenticity mm-hmm. means. Yeah. I think it for me is very much associated with inner truth. Mm. Um, so is it your inner truth to make me this tea? Like, does that feel <laughs> good? Or is it like, I'm doing this because I think I need to do this? Or like, mm. it actually doesn't feel good. Like I don't want to share. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and so I think that in the, in the lens of like trying out these different versions of yourself or different masks, like, is it true that you feel like, is it in your truth to be doing that or is it Mm. out of a motive beyond like that isn't that isn't uh rooted in your truth but i guess that's like how i make sure that i'm being authentic yeah or like are you just going through the motions versus like you're really feeling it yeah but i guess what i'm trying to say is like for you i imagine like maybe you have like a musical performance and people have paid money to come see you and maybe beforehand you're like, I really don't want to do this. But, I mean, I don't know if you feel that way or not, but like, that doesn't mean that's authentic to not go up on stage. It means that your true self is like bigger than that momentary emotion or resistance. And then maybe when you get on stage, you'll feel like amazing and like, oh, I'm so, you know, this feels great. And yeah. Yeah. So that's just something I've noticed in myself. Like, um, maybe the word resistance fits what I'm talking about. Or... Just having, having a bigger sense of who you are than your temporary feeling state. And yeah. I feel like a lot of people, maybe especially around Boulder, like we're in touch with our emotions and we're sensitive, but that can lead to, if you if you let that lead you, then you could become like really flaky. Like it'd be, it's hard to like make plans because maybe in the moment you don't feel like showing up to what you said you're going to show up to. And I don't think that's authentic, you know, so mm. it gets, yeah, I don't know. Yeah. I would see that as like, um, I definitely understand what you're talking about in regards to a culture that uh, does exist here in Boulder. Um, and I think when, I think there's just like a, a lack of consideration or communication that comes with like dropping the ball on or flaking out on someone. Yeah, I feel um, like that happens a lot among certain communities of people. Yeah. Um, and then maybe the maybe the other extreme of that is like if you know, if you always just go by a schedule or by the clock, like that's can, can be kind of robotic. So totally. there's gotta be some kind of middle ground there. Mm-hmm. So maybe communication is a part of that. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I think that people should like honor their commitments, you know? Even if honoring your commitment yeah. is communicating that you can't show up to it. Yeah. Yeah. At least communicate that. Yeah. Well, you've, I mean, you've been someone who has brought a lot of people together, like community organizing has been part of what you're, you've been up to, right? Yeah. How is that? Like, I don't know, like, how do you want to speak to that? I mean, that seems like something that we need more of, like things that bring people together in positive ways and mm-hmm. um, can also be challenging. And it's also po- easy to get burnt out, you know, trying to do that kind of thing. Totally. Yeah. You get to have a lot of fire. Fire. Keep it lit. <laughs> Um, and I've had 
extremely successful nights. More like the past few years, I've most mostly had successes when it comes to mm-hmm. community organizing or events, and that that momentum keeps you coming back to it. Um, and uh, I've also, you know, failed tremendously, loads uh, of times. Do you want to share with us a failure? Um, or what seemed like a failure at the time? Like maybe it's not in the long run. You know what I mean? Like, sure. I mean, I've definitely had, um, you know, when I first started doing community-oriented stuff, or towards the beginning, um, you know, thrown shows that no one was there for. Or mm, that's gonna be so tough. Yeah, it definitely. It comes with the question of like. Should I be doing this? Mm. Is this a necessity or like it am I filling a need or am I just doing this event to um to like validate the fact that I'm a community organizer? Mm. And which I think it's a good thing to I, ask yourself. I appreciate yeah. the opportunity to come back to my intention, like why am I doing this for myself or for the community? And and I know that I do what I do for the community, and I'm also totally fine with the fact that I get a lot out of it. There's, I don't yeah. see anything wrong with it's that. It's a both and. Yeah. I think that's a good point. Yeah. But, uh, yeah, I would say, like, one of the last shows that I produced at the end of February it was uh, my first queer dance party um, that was presented by my new record label, and we had this, like, love note station and someone at the end of the night um a bunch of people left all these love notes and Mm. i gave them to all these people and everyone was like wow this is like so relevant and i was left with one last card and i opened it up and it said like i haven't felt at home in denver in years and like thank you for putting this together and like the community Mm -hmm. the queer community like needed this and i was just like how did I end up getting this <laughs> of all people that I passed out these cards to? And um, was it like everyone got a different card, and that's the card you got. Yeah, that's a beautiful story. Yeah, and it spoke just like directly to me, and um, and moments like that mm. it are validating in like, yeah, what I'm doing is impactful, and I think that is a huge part of it. Is like I want. Mm-hmm. people to feel connected i want people to have um moments that generate uh collaboration and creativity mm. and inspiration and ex- just like celebration you know yeah and That's home good. especially for like queer communities i've felt really disconnected when it comes to mm. feeling at home within queer community and um and i wanted to provide and, you know, in collaboration with my team, like, we wanted to provide a safe space for people right. um, to, like, come and know, like, yeah, you can totally hit on that person and assume that they're queer, you know? Because <laughs> um, you valuable. set that context and you yeah. send out those invitations. And, yeah. Totally. Yeah. That's a, yeah, that's a beautiful story. So I guess I'm kind of drawn to go back to, like, the beginning of the conversation we were talking about power and these courses you're teaching in high school and yeah um you said something about dismantling power structures like in the yeah. dungeons and dragons like role-playing that but like that's inspires you in real life like what do you mean by that like how do you understand that or 
want to speak to that? Do you like, I mean, I guess I'm hearing like politically, like that's true for you. Like, I don't know much about sure. you, your political views, but it seems like part of your community organizing and efforts are like have this political component as well. Most definitely. And I like talking about these things uh, as much as I'm pursuing the understanding of it. I also know like very little about it all. Um, and I say that to like disclose anything that might be triggering to anyone reading it here. <laughs> It's tricky um, stuff to talk about. I totally. Totally get that. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, dismantling. Yeah, I'm totally into the idea of dismantling oppressive systems. Um, dismantling oppressive systems. Yeah, that's maybe a good way to most put it. Most definitely. And I think that we, are, in order to do that, we have to define the confines of a uh, an oppressive system and, and look at the systems around us mm. and pursue the understanding uh, or like just the curiosity around like you know co colonization and how mm. at the core of it um it came to be you know a lot of people's wealth and success has come from uh, exploitation of people from exploitation of land um and i think that there are a lot of people who are comfortable because of that exploitation, um, even if they're right. not related to exploiting people. Even um, if they personally didn't weren't involved, they're still benefiting. Maybe a beneficiary of the history. Totally. I and mean, part of what I'm hearing you say is like, how can we collectively look at our history and heal and make sense of it? And Most definitely. It's a history of yeah colonization and taking over this land that was there were already people here. And, Most definitely. Um, all that stuff. Yeah. Yeah, and just like the trauma that was imposed on people of color and also, you know, the trauma that has been imposed on um, white folks and um, either white folks in positions of power because it is also traumatic to oppress and it is mm, also... That's a um, good point. There's, you know, not just... There has been this narrative that, like, it's so race related but really it's like there's been an elite class you know royalty back in the day mm -hmm. that has perpetually manipulated people to be against each other and feel like they're the problem versus addressing mm -hmm. the actual issue which is the exploitation of you know the rich on right. on the rest of us so in the end we're really all in this together and like i think that's the why I'm so adamant about social power, hmm. which is all of us um, coming together, realizing I am not different than you. Um, in fact, I'm dealing with the same bullshit. <laughs> and, um, you know, it's someone might deal with more bullshit. You know, a female might deal with not just like, uh, and potentially, um, I guess I'm like speaking to intersectionality where like mm -hmm. we might, you and me have to deal with similar things, but I might have to deal with like similar things on top of sexism, potentially mm. on top of homophobia, you mm. know? And um, I think it's important to acknowledge those things. Um, and where do we go from there? Uh, I think there's a lot of different places to go from there. Like we could 
work to make a you know more fair, more harmonious, happier society, all that kind of stuff. I mean, it's a complicated picture, but I, yeah, I mean, I agree that we should try to move in a good direction. And I also agree that if someone, I don't know, use the word oppressed, like if someone does something that hurts someone else or oppresses them, like they also can be traumatized or hurt. Like, especially if you think about karma, if you believe in something like that, I mean, um, I just thought that, I thought that was a good point, you know, like yeah. if, I don't know what examples we could think up of right now, but just that, that maybe that, this idea of like trauma, of collective trauma and how that impacts all of us. Maybe yeah. that's a way that we could then have a conversation where we could all start to heal together rather than, because there's a danger of let's overthrow the oppressive system and then like, you know, the revolution ends up oppressing the former oppressors, you know, this whole... Totally. Uh, you know what I'm trying to say. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> There's a really beautiful book um, called Pedagogy of the Oppressed where oh, yeah. um, a, a dynamic of overturning power um, is kind of uh, filtered through that lens or looked at through that lens of being aware of just even the idea of like oppressor and just like the power dynamic of superior inferior. Um, and so like letting go of that and instead of like achieving on top mm. or like this constant but letting go of that and releasing like anyone being on top mm. um and rather like coming and that's even with social power like anyone who is in a position of influence that's been gift you know granted to them by mm. the people and so it's not a something they have over the people but um, yeah. rather the people have lifted them up into that position right yeah i was actually reading some this friend of mine has these little pocket-sized copies of the constitution <laughs> he's like passing them out and it has these quotes from some of the founding fathers and i was reading some of that and i was like talking kind of like what you were just talking about like this question of how do you organize a government where it has power over people and this idea that we can all be equal and then elect certain people to be in power and then they stop being in power. And it's like a beautiful idea. It's very imperfectly done, obviously, but there's, it's a beautiful idea Yeah. that we could like kind of be equal and then you could choose someone to be a leader and then they could stop being a leader and have someone yeah. else. And like, yeah, just like struck by that idea kind of in a new way when I was reading yeah. about it. I think that we need to, a part of that is acknowledging that every role in society is essential to its function, even mm. just like a group dynamic. We put a lot of emphasis on the leader of the group, but alone they are not able to achieve as much without the the work of their the support team. And so every role in that um in in that team is essential to being effective mm. and so yeah. when we begin to value um you know a therapist just as much as the president or and obviously there's some positions where if you hold it there is more pressure and and more goes into right. it um but i think that it i think that's a part of it is um less hierarchy on what role you have in society and also like a little bit being able to I think paying people especially teachers like there's 
like uh, or there's a lot of people that don't get mm. paid what they're worth yeah well it seems like teachers is like that gets talked about so much but nothing ever seems <laughs> like it changes around it but like man it's kind of a weird the weird thing about our society we're like yeah we send our kids off to like spend all day with someone that we don't really know that well and then we don't pay them all and they're right you know it's like what are we it's doing a like cycle. That? you think that would be a very esteemed position and it does carry a certain amount of respect i think being a teacher has a certain respect but maybe less now than it used to like yeah in the past i think maybe i don't know the education yeah. system this is a whole <laughs> other conversation but it is it's it's an oppressive system as well um, just our whole education system like being like forcing kids to sit in a desk and not move like sometimes i think about that like i was in elementary school and we had these desks where the chair was attached to the desk and i remember how painful it was to just sit there like it didn't feel good it didn't feel yeah. good in my body and um it's, it sucks yeah i just i don't like thinking about kids being forced to yeah kids should be able to run around and yeah, I to think some that, that is definitely a part of it, but then also, like, looking at, like, the school-to-prison pipeline, where we mm. are, like, taking kids that are, you know, in uh, underserved communities and not serving their needs emotionally, and then mm. they're not coming to class because it's not relevant to their lives or the things that they're navigating, and then it's like, you know, Tommy, you're not passing math and so you're gonna get punished and like this and then they're like mm. perpetually just you know in this state of navigating suffering or uh, um oppressiveness yeah well that's a more that's a that's a great point yeah so that's about, like I mean. people like like a student <laughs> in maybe a poor area or a marginalized community like they get suspended or expelled and then it kind of sets them on track to ending up in jail yeah. And it's kind of like our jail prison system is kind of like when in school you you know have to be in timeout. You know, it's the same kind of idea. Yeah. And um, I think a lot of people are starting to question that idea. I hate the idea of jail, of like putting people behind bars and walls. Yeah. I think we do it way too much, right? Like it's yeah. it's not it's a weird. Um, I think that there is a lot of we need to criticize that and change it. Yeah. For sure. I think there's a lot of effort and momentum. Um, generating around trauma-informed education practices where we're mm -hmm. noticing if a student is acting out it's most likely because something's going on mm. um and finding ways to address that but there's a lot of shaming that happens in schools there's a lot of oh, yeah. um you know from teachers there's also you know i've worked in schools where the teachers just like they they're not dealing with their own emotional needs and they're taking it out on students mm. um bad cycles Totally, and it, yeah. So that's kind. Of, that's what I'm pointing to with the educational system. And then we look at you know like <coughs> a you know wealthy school district. It's perpetuating the idea of domination of like uh, a student. Like if you excel in life, you will be on top. You will be the best. And like if you mm. listen to what I say, the teacher you can be in a position of power someday. And it's like, um, kind of even like militant in some ways. Yeah, that's a great point. And so then mm, cultivating young dominators to come and like <laughs> impose themselves on the world. Like that's what they're kind of being trained to do or taught to do. Yeah, and this is all like yeah. big ideas and a lot of theory and 
Um, you know, I know that not everything's black and white. Some people, uh, I don't, I think there's a lot of beauty in the educational mm. system and there's a lot of people fighting and for that beauty and for right. like well, cultivating. Yeah, it's good to appreciate it. I mean, it's amazing that we have public education, maybe as much as we do, like that didn't exist 200 yeah. years ago, right? So, but it's a lot of room for improvement. I think your point about making what people learn relevant to their lives. Yeah. Like I went through elementary, middle, high school, undergrad. I never took a class on how to pay my taxes, how to manage money, how to understand the economy, totally. how to, um, you know, even, you know, just like, like basic life skills that we should be teaching people about saving, totally. compound interest and like that should be part of our education yeah. system or like health, like diet, like how to eat a healthy diet. Like, I guess we get a little bit of that, but basically, yeah. you know, like it's just, there's so much stuff like that, right? Sex education. There, there's so much stuff that like we need to learn to like be yeah. healthy functioning adults and we don't really get it in school we have to get it outside of school definitely you have to know about it or relationships that's another one yeah no one teaches you how to communicate effectively in a relationship it's that could be a whole class that everyone could take in in middle school it could be a great class definitely communication in general and i think yeah, yeah there's just like all of these physical and social and emotional needs that are not addressed you know it's hard to and going back to the example of like tommy you're not passing this math class when like mm. tommy's mom is having a hard time feeding them right. and so like they're dealing like how relevant is it that they are not doing math when they're like dealing with not being certain of their basic needs yeah, being met. Yeah. And so I think that's like the relevancy of Yeah, it's uh, a big subject. Yeah. I think I think part of it that I've heard some people talk about that I agree with is like you want to have a model for what success looks like. And if the model that if there's like one model being crammed on everyone's throat, which is like go to high school, go to college, go to grad school, get a job, like that model doesn't isn't going to work for everyone. Sure. And it shouldn't work for everyone. Like, we don't need to... Not everyone needs to go to college or needs to go to grad school. Like, it's not necessary yeah. to be a happy, contributing member of society. Like, there's other ways you can... <laughs> yeah. Like, like, maybe what you're doing. Like, you're a musician. You're creating different things. Like, you don't need a college degree necessarily to do that. You need to learn and grow and yeah. practice and all that stuff. But you don't need, like, a... So it's just, like, we need to expand our models of what success can look like and then totally. like the basketball superstar or like hip-hop rapper guy like those aren't applicable to everyone either like a few people can do that but totally it's like we just have these like very limited ideas of what success looks like yeah so. and then there's today i was talking to uh my colleagues about um us pursuing fostering organic organic intellectualism within our students or our student cultivating their sense of knowing that they are organically intellectual um, and helping them realize that there's an inherent they have an inherent ability to understand things to pursue understanding things to know things and um, I think that we that there's like more even speaking to like the there is no right way mm. but we do also need to regardless of what you do we need to stoke young people on the pursuit of their curiosity right you know and yeah. maybe not like saying 
hey, this is what is true, but prompting them to um, like dig into understanding around yeah, the topic. And get them to look at it themselves. And yeah. Yeah, that's, that's what education is supposed to do. It's, maybe it's tricky. <laughs> no. Yeah. I mean, it makes me think about, like, I had a client that I was seeing, and, like, I'm here, like, as a therapist trying to help them, and their parents are paying for them to see me, and they are so unmotivated, you know, uninvested, uninterested, and it's so hard to like find that way to like find that inner motivation. I think that's that's partly what came up when you were speaking just now. Just like, how do you find that curiosity, that motivation in yourself? Like, it's not something someone else is doing for you or yeah. making you do. Or that's what we need to like awaken up in, in ourselves and in other people. Yeah, definitely. And I think that goes back to like me being fortunate enough to have parents that were like affirming to mm. my confidence and having sometimes you can get stuck in these like inner narratives that that are uh just like crippling you know and yeah the inner narrative like your story you're telling yourself like how mm -hmm. you understand yourself yeah because perspective is reality i was telling my students that today like just seeing perspective as these different glasses like mm. today i could look through sadness and i would perceive everything through sadness and then i could put on another set of glasses and like perceive through gratitude and like mm. that we have this uh, you know power to try on different glasses totally and sometimes like you know we the messaging that we are navigating puts on certain glasses for us Right, yeah. Yeah, and I think that could feel good or it could be helpful for a time, but it's ultimately kind of disempowering. Like, we need to find our own glasses. <laughs> totally, <laughs> you know? or know that that's an option to, or like, yeah. alternate perspective. Find our own choice. Yeah. So we're not a victim, yeah. Yeah. Totally. Well, um, do you want to... It's been great having you on the podcast. Yeah. Do you want to share with people how they can find more about you? Totally. Um, Monalicious Media... Dot com. Um, you can check out my music, my films, um, projects I've been a part of, press that I've done. Uh, FM4FP.com is my business. That's free music for free people, and that's kind of like an umbrella of my record label, Free People Records. Um, this uh, music television network that I run called Free People TV, and then we kind of do um, events and uh, other magazine projects. and. Um, Youth on Record is where I work. Youthonrecord.org is a nonprofit that I uh, work with young people yeah. through. Sounds like a great nonprofit. Yeah, I feel very grateful, and what a awesome way to embody purpose and my mm. skills. Sweet. Yeah. Thank you. That's it. <laughs> Thank you so much for listening. If you have found this podcast valuable, there are many ways in which you can support it. You can share it with friends and on your social media. You can leave us a review on your favorite podcast listening app, and you can visit our Patreon page, patreon.com backslash a state of mind. For show notes and more information unique to each episode, visit astateofmindplay.com. And to learn more about my work as a therapist, meditation teacher, and coach, visit julianocean.us. And please don't hesitate to send me a message or email 
and let me know what you think and contribute to our conversation. Thank you so much for your support. It is listeners like you that make all this so very much worthwhile. 